Thank you, Suri. Um, on Shabbos, I was trying to think of what would be a good starting line, and, and I sort of got an answer. Oh, that's okay. Um, notice I have this Harry Potter mark, a little off to the left. <laughs> I got it on Shabbos. I got uh, injured by a Sefer Torah. <laughs> and I literally can't get too close to God. <laughs> they were, um, you know, going around, taking the Sefer Torah back, and went to give, you know, a kiss. And the guy carrying it, you know, David Musaf, went to say hi to somebody, and, you know, in the swing, I got hit by the, uh, by the keter. <laughs> so, um, that happens with the first line. Um, part of Slichot, we'll see, is related to coming close to God. And I want to show how that theme in tonight's lecture, to try to help appreciate what we do. I also have to thank Suri, not just for inviting me, but I studied something I never studied before, because um, we wanted to do a shir on Slichot, which makes sense, it's this Mitzvah Shabbat, but we already did this year on the 13 Midot, and done that many times, and that's more known. I had to come up with something new. Uh, so I decided, and Suri's question was, what are Slichot? What's their structure, how they built? And the purpose of this year is trying to take a little view of Slichot, pretty much in the same manner that we study Chumash. In preparing this year, I realized something, that how beautiful Slichot is. I want to give an analogy. We're going to an art museum. There's plenty in Manhattan. And I'm sure if you've been to an art museum, um, there's some people who just go, you know, painting to painting, and some people they stare at the same painting for like 20 minutes. Got that? Oh, who does that? People appreciate art and can appreciate what the, what the painter was doing and the depth and the thought behind it. They can appreciate a painting. People like me, you know, very nice, let's go on. Now, um, I want to do something similar with, uh, with Slichot. I want to begin, though, to understand what's going on in Slichot. I want someone to tell me, what do you remember from Slichot? What are, like, the highlights? Everyone's usually confused. It's like Rosh Hashanah Musaf, or what page, no, what page are they on? It's very hard, like, to understand what's going on. But what comes to mind when we talk about Slichot? What are, like, the key elements that always people remember? Shema Koleinu. That's a classic. Is that in the beginning or the end? That's towards the end, that you know... The worst is over. <laughs> There's definitely a shmakolenu, which means... Yeah, you know why that's at the end? Because we're, what are we praying for in shmakolenu? It's a beautiful prayer. In shmakolenu, we're praying that God answer our prayers. That we find that a lot in Davani. First we pray, and then our final prayer is that God should answer our prayers. Which means there's a value in praying even if the answer is no. First we pray, and there's a value in that. And then we ask God, maybe you should answer our prayers. But even when God says no, the very fact that you go to God and pray, that in itself develops the relationship. Which is what religion is really about, but that's not our topic tonight. Now, um, what else is there famous from Slichot? Yeah, the 13 attributes of mercy, we just say them over and over again. Then there's lots of things that make no sense. Like very difficult Hebrew, poetic, and you can never keep up with the chazan. Um, or either you can ever keep up with him or put up with him, <laughs> depending uh, what he's, how long he's taking. Uh, and we start with Ashrei, don't we? But those are the main things. As far as a unit, Slichot is a type of a prayer service. Rabbi Salavechik talks about this. And he compares it to a regular prayer service like Mincha. We have a Mincha. What do we do at Mincha? There's Shmon Esrei is the center. You just don't jump into Shmon Esrei. 
you have to have a little parakeet of psalms first. What's the classic a psalm we always say before a prayer service? Ashrei. Ashrei followed by a half Kaddish. How does Sichot begin? Ashrei with half Kaddish. Now, if we take Shachris, what else do we have before Dabrik Shmonesrei? We also have what's called Psukhetis Imra. That's a, little, that's a longer Ashrei. And we'll see tonight that before we ask God for something, we praise Him first. The same thing we do when we want a loan from our uncle, our rich uncle. What do we do? We don't go and say, you know, let me some money. What do you do first? You say, oh, I saw your kids are so cute, and I read your article, I read your, your blog. You're amazing. And then, oh, by the way, you don't just go in right away and ask for, for the favor. We have a, Lahavda, we have a very similar approach when we approach God, and that's the cloud, um, that's the principle of before you ask for your needs, first do what's called Mesader Shivcho, you begin with praise. So just quickly, for two minutes, I want to go over the overall structure of Slichot to um, flip the, the other page. This is the next one. Okay. Just real quickly, it's also on your short sheet, but quickly, we begin with Ashrei, which happens to be by the Alephet, and a lot of the Pismonim we'll see later on. Alephet is a rabbinic style, uh, which began in Tilim. There's many Psalms in Tilim that also follow the alphabet. Um, then we have verses of praise, after the Tadachatit, Verses of praise called the Shomayat Tefillah, which we're going to focus on tonight. That'll be the focus of our share. We'll return to that soon. Then we have the, the core of the Slichot, which is primarily the 13 attributes of mercy. Towards the end, we'll review why we mention them. Theoretically, we could say them once. But there's a custom to say it as many times as we can. But you can't just say it over and over again. So what do you do? You have to reintroduce them. Therefore, before we can say the 13 attributes again, we need a, a cycle. And every cycle begins with another poem, or an acrostic, or what uh, rabbis call a pizmon. If you were in B'nai Kiva, you have what's called pizmon sniff. You know what that is? Pizmon sniff? Someone knows. It's, it's when every, every shevet, every tribe, tribe, every uh, youth group has to make up the little song and poem. So here, you have a song or a poem, and those are usually very difficult Hebrew, very poetic Hebrew. They all carry a theme, Different themes, and that always leads into the, the famous Kelmelech Yoshev. Then we turn to God, and those are the words that are a little easier to understand. We ask God, instead of sitting on His throne of justice, His throne of judgment, to sit on His throne of mercy. And then we say the 13 attributes of mercy, and towards the end we'll try to explain how that relates to the introduction. We finish that, we finish several rounds. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's five. Airbrush Hashan, I think it's 13, if you do the whole version. And after the rounds of, of a pismon, followed by the 13 attributes are over. Um, then we have our prayer that God answers our prayers. That's Shema Koleinu. Um, then we have, just like after Shmonesri, we have Ashamnu Bogadnu, we have what's called Vidui, confession, in some religions. And then, um, then we have what? Uh, then we have the, the final request, do it for your sake. Remember I say Laman Shmach, and again, by the acrostics, I think it's called an acrostic, by the Alephet. And then we finish, like regular tefillah service, with a full Kaddish, what's called Kaddish Titkabel. You know what that means? The only time we say Kaddish Titkabel, that's Titkabel Tzloton, we have a regular Kaddish ending with a prayer that God should answer our prayers. The only time you have it, not, not after Shmon is after Slichot. Every time we have in Shmon we end with Kaddish Titkabel. And that's the only time. And Slichot is one other time. So that's what, that sort of proves that 
We've used slichot as a standalone prayer service. When do we say slichot? Not by itself, but as part of a prayer service. Anyone know when? When do we do the whole slichot, but not, not a standalone, but part of an existing prayer service? Anyone know when? Know when? When on Yom Kippur? Kol Nidre. Yeah. Kol Nidre is basically Marv. You have Kol Nidre in the beginning. Okay? And then you have Marv. And at the end of Marv, what do we do? Slichot. And therefore, the, the page I gave you, um, is what I took from a, Yom Kippur, from a Yom Kippur sitter, this one. There's one which you don't have to read, but I promise to give the English. See this one? Um, there's this page here that you have. You need magnifying glass for it. See this one? Now, this is from the classic, um, I guess it's an art scroll master, English, Hebrew. It's from Slichot. It's from uh, Marfi Yom Kippur, from Kodidri Night. There's some customs to do Slichot also in Shachris. And we do a different version, a shorter version at Nila. But this is the full version of Slichot, Kodidri Night. I'm sure you might remember these psukim. They probably ring a bell. Um, what, the goal of the shir is to understand what's going on. Uh, one last word of introduction. Um, and that is, when, when we read something, like, like Shomei Tfilah, this whole setup, it's hard to follow. It's hard like, to understand what's going on. And we, we're sometimes in the race, we always have this dilemma. Do we read it slowly and try to understand one or two lines? Or do we try to finish, you know, is it what's called quantity over quality? I wanted to try to suggest a solution by sort of by preparation. And you'll see what I'm getting at. But that's the overall structure of Slichot. We're going to focus on these verses of praise and in light of them hope to understand what follows and the rest. Um, um, I want to now explain my title. I call it a tapestry. I hope I'm using it right. Where no one wrote Shomei Tfila. Someone composed it. If I have it right? Means, what's the raw material? In this Shomei Tfila, this opening praise of God, Nothing is written from scratch. What's the source material? Verses from the Bible. Got that? Every single line here is a verse from the Bible. That's the first thing you have to appreciate. And you can see from the uh, art scroll on the bottom, you see how many quotes there are. Every verse, they have the quote. 90% are from Tehillim, which makes sense. But there's others, with, you know, there's others from other books in Tanakh. What was the composer doing? Now, who the composer is, this was amazed me. No one knows. <laughs> Most likely it's an early Rishon, probably around 10th, 11th century, because we find it, we don't find it in the Gonim, we don't find it in Gonik. There's, Gonim have versions of Slichot, a little different than ours. And then we go in two different uh, directions, the Edot Mizrach, what's called the Sfardi Menag. Um, they have something very short, the first two lines and that's it, and the last line. And in Ashkenaz custom is Shomet Filah, this is one version of it. There's different versions of it. But there we have a longer one. It seems to be an early Ashkenaz custom, probably 11th, 12th century. But even in the most academic versions of the Slichot, no one knows who wrote it. No, 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 one, no one wrote it. We don't know who composed it. No. I wanted to call it, instead of a tapestry, I wanted to call it a mosaic. But I couldn't call it a mosaic. You know why? Because there's only one Pasuk from Chumash. <laughs> That's supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly from Tilim. That's why I use the word tapestry. What I'm doing is we're taking existing pieces of cloth or existing tiles and we're... It's like when you make for your uh, bar mitzvah. You, you, know, you want to put together a PowerPoint or a presentation. You take existing quotes, existing pictures, and you make a collage. What I want to show you 
This is not just a random collection of verses. There's logic to it and there's beauty to it. Now we're going to the art museum. Now we can go back to the other uh, page. We're going to focus on Shemayat Tefillah. Make it, make it a little higher maybe? Or, no, not that, but the, uh, maybe lift up the, the screen. Just like put something, like a finger there. Put your finger, not a finger, but uh, put a book there or something. There, this should do it. Put that there. That help? Oh, that's good, yeah, that's good. So let's make sure they can see. Um, what do we have? Shomet Fila Dachokobasiavo, that's a quote from Tilim sixty five. Okay? Everyone should come and bow down to you. What I want you to pay attention to first is that it's not just a random collection of verses. There's a logic to the flow. And each one you have you don't have to understand Hebrew, and that's why if you want to see the translation, you can read there on your free time. It's not important now to understand the words. It's important to notice that there's structure to the tefillah and there's key words. What do we begin with? What's the first thing? What's the first key word? It's highlighted. Lavo, to come. And the first thing is we're coming to God. And the next thing we're doing, we're coming to God to do what? To bow down. Now, where do we go? Where's the ideal place to visit God? In His temple, which is replaced by the shul, the Mikdash Ma'at. So we have the theme of Yavo, 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 Kovasar, Yavo. Understand the first five? All have, let's come and bow down. And then we have the Mishtachabeh, bowing down to God, the servants of God, when? Balilot, which is perfect for Slichot. We take a postic of coming to bow down to God in the evening. And then we have another set of five, six verses, all about Mishtachabot, Mishtachabot. It's crystal clear. You see that? What I want to show you, this is not simply a collection of biblical verses, which that in itself is important to understand, the flow. But their theme is also biblical. Meaning, it's not just a collection of biblical verses. Behind the verses that are being quoted, and the key words that are being quoted, are key themes in the Bible. Now, if you look in Halakha, the custom of Slichot didn't begin with Arab Rosh Hashanah. Slichot originally began as a custom between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. In, in Orachim, Taf Kuf Pe Al Aleph, whatever the commentary comes out. Taf Kuf, that's 500, 581, I guess. Yeah. In, right, right in the beginning of Hilchot Rosh Hashanah, we have a, a custom that's brought down that between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, we get up early in the morning and we supplicate, I think that's the word, and pray to God. A little extra. Later on, that custom was widened to 40 days beforehand, before Yom Kippur, or Rosh Chodesh Elo, and that's the Svarim we had the Minigah blowing shofar. The Ashkenazi custom was to begin several days before, always on Messiah Shabbat, either Messiah Shabbat, if it's, uh, but at least three or four days. So like this year, Messiah Shabbat, and then four or five days, we have the shortest version this year. If the Rosh Hashanah comes out on Monday or Tuesday, then we go the week before and we have the longest version. The reason for that custom, um, we'll talk about soon. Why are we building up to Yom Kippur? What happened in Yom Kippur in the Bible? What event was the Yom Kippur event? It's, it's not explicit, but it's quite implicit. What did we receive on the tenth on Yom Kippur? The second luchot. And when we received the second, what was written on the second luchot? What laws were on the second luchot? What was written on them? The exact same thing as the first luchot, word for word. But as they're being given over, what does that God declare? Even though it says here, "I'm a zealous God, I'm a kelkana," you should know. Off the record, that I'm also a, I'm Rachun v'chanun. And even though it says I'm, I have charonaf, I really am also erachapaim. Even though officially I'm supposed to be mean, and judging and, and exact, 
you should know, it's not written, but sort of, um, as it's being given over, you should know that there's also a possibility of, of, I'm not always merciful, but there's a possibility of mercy. But you have to prove to me you're worthy of it. And that was this year on the 13th Midot, which we're not going to repeat tonight. Now, Yom Kippur is a re-establishing of the covenant that began first when? At Mount Sinai. What did Amisro do at Mount Sinai? We entered, we entered a covenant. What, what, what famous phrase do we say? Nasev What do we do? Uh, where in Chumash is that? Nasev Nishma. Where in Shmot? Chapter 24. Everyone remembers? Nasev is 24-7. That's an easy way to remember. Pasuk 24-7. And somehow, um, what, what is it? Friar of Canterbury had, uh, had Rosh HaKodesh. <laughs> and knew our jargon. Um, in 24-7, Amisro enters the Brit, but look at the first verse in chapter 24. You can look at it later or look in your commission if you have one. What is, in anticipation of this covenant, God gives Moshe commandment and he tells Moshe, Alei Eli, Alei El Hashem, come up to God. Who comes up? You, Aaron, Adav, and Abihu, and the 70 elders are the representatives, the congressmen of the Jewish people. And what do you need to do? Vishtachavita Mirochok. There's, this need to, to approach God and come close to God and bow down to God, but keep your distance. Otherwise, you may get your head. <laughs> you have to keep your distance. But there's, an, there's a value in the Jewish nation coming and bowing down to God. And if that's what happens in Har Sinai, and if the Mishkan is a replica in perpetuating Mount Sinai, and if the Shul, the Beit is a con- continuous, a, a replica of the Mikdash, a Mikdash Mat, then the idea that we, instead of going to the temple, we go now to the shul. And what do we do? We come and bow down. But it's not enough just to bow down. What is Tilimad? We have to bow down and sing God's praises. And therefore we have Nishtachave, Nishtachave, and let's go down and sing, um, um, we'll go down and bow down on this holy site. Um, and then when we go, we're going to go there, let's bow down in God's Hechal, in God's temple, and we're going to admit or praise you and thank you for your name, for your chesed, for your kindness, your truth. Isn't Lift it up a little bit. Take that to the top. There we go. It's a too far. Okay. Okay. You know what that means? You're great. It's above. Your greatness is greater than your. You're greater than your reputation, and your and your reputation is great. You see the word? Now, because of that last phrase, we go now to a a whole. New topic with what's the key word? This is a big one. What? What is it? There's first is Michamo, who's like you, and then Gado, 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 Gado. The highlighting is better on the page you have than on the, uh, the screen, doesn't come out with the highlighting. But look at the page I gave you. See the word? Every line has Gado in it. Gado, Gado, Gado. Everything's Gado. I, I want to make one point, re emphasize it. Whoever composed this is not randomly picking verses. He has a theme and he's developing his theme and he's being sort of repetitive but using a lot of psukim to develop the theme. And there's logic to the theme. Okay. So we have this whole theme of Gadol. Almost all the verses that are quoted are from Tilim. All of a sudden, we get one Pasuk from Chumash. See the one from Devarim 3.24? And it's not an entire Pasuk. It's only a partial Pasuk. It's from Parshat Bet and if you have a Chumash, you have to take a look, but most of you, I'm sure, remember. 
אשר מי בשמיים וארץ אשר יעשיך מעשיך וכי גבולותיך. Ring a bell to anybody? Parshat Vethanan. What's the first topic of Parshat Vethanan? Moshe is talking to the nation, has to explain to them how come he's staying in the other side of the Jordan and not coming with them to the land. What did he tell the people? When God told me I can't enter the land, what did Moshe do? He prayed, Vethanan al Hashem. And what did he tell God? What's he ask God to do? Ebrana, na ve'eretz atovah. I want to cross and see the land. Remember Ebrana. Remember God says va'itaber. God gets angry. It's a beautiful wordplay. God gets angry at Moshe. Now, but Moshe doesn't just jump in and say, "Hey, I want to go in." What's he have to do first? Because he knows how to daven. Before Moshe prays, what does he do? You pray, pray before praise before prayer. That's a cloud. And what is the praise that Moshe uses? Take a look. Hashem Elokim, Atachilota Larot At Avdecha. At what? At Godlecha Vetiadcha Chazaka. At Godlecha Vetiadcha Chazaka. Now we can't quote that because that's Moshe talking to God. Now Moshe modifies now in his prayer who God is, how great God is, and what does Moshe continue and say? Asher mi, what's he say? Asher, it's right there. Asher mi el b'shamayim b'varat, asher secha masecha v'chik b'rotecha. There's no one like you. En kamocha. Why did the composer of Shomayat Filah pick specifically this pasuk? First, if you know your chumash, it's the theme of Gadol. The background is Gdula. But what's beautiful about it, it's, that's the source, that's the primary source that teaches us how to pray. Moshe Rabbeinu is the expert. And what does Moshe Rabbeinu do when he prays? He praises before his prayer. Now, if you look on the uh, other source sheet, the, um, the second one, the one that has the ABC, uh, look on C, on the, the beginning of the, uh, the flip side. See where it goes, ABCD? You, know, you can switch the uh, board here on top. You need a smart board one day here. Maybe do a little on the angle there. That's good. Mesechet Bavli, Brachot Lamed Bet. We have this exact principle and the Gemara learns this principle from this Pasuk. What's the Gemara say? What does a person need to do? Before you ask and pray, first you have to organize your praise. Like we do with other human beings. How do we learn it from? We learn from Moshe Rabbeinu. And they quote from Dorim Parashat Vethanan. Got that? No. Therefore, the composer of Shemayat who knows the Gemara in Brachot, remember a little bit, a couple hundred years later, and he understands this Chumash, goes out of his way to quote from Parshat Hanan. And he includes that in his prayer. Now, it has to fit with his ongoing theme. He's not putting in randomly. And if you follow the theme of Godot and know the source, it's really beautiful what he put in. But that's the... Um, what's the next topic? Then Me'in Kamocha, go back to uh, the other one. Then we have, remember, praising God because he's great, there's no God like him. In Kamocha. Then we quote from Yirmiyahu about Me'in Kamocha. We don't have time to... To see your meal, but if you, that's a whole share in your meal, why dafkadis? But that's an important point in your meal. The end of a unit in your meal. Um, and then we talk about you know, who, how great you are. And we have what's called the lachafim. Now, if you look at the transition here, it's good to praise you. Right? Okay? Because in all the nations, there's no one in Kamocha. Got it? And then what do we do? We, we, we finish the theme of main Kamocha. And now we talk about what, how great you are and what you have. First, what's yours and then what you do and what you did. So we have all the lacha, lacha, lachas. See them? Followed by ata, ata, ata. 
lots of luchas. Now, we have this little insert here, which is worth mentioning from Tidim 106, which sort of doesn't fit in. It's almost parenthetical. Anyone know where that's from? It's a Hanukkah song, isn't it? <laughs> it's missing something. Oh, they have the word wrong here. They put, instead of Yisrael, they put Hashem, it's probably a typo. Yeah. <laughs> now, that song is a disaster. Um, that's from Tidim 106. I want to give you a little taste. If you have a Tidim, take a look there. If not, I'll just explain out loud. It begins, it, that's it, one of the Hodus. It's Tidim 106. It's the last Mizmor um, of Book 4, I guess. Yeah, the end of Book 4. How's it begin? Hodu Hashem Kitov. It's a classic. Praise God, it's good. We're commanded to praise God. And then the psalmist asks a question. What's his question? Which sounds like, who can possibly sing all of God's praises? So it could be we're asking, who could possibly praise Him? But that contradicts the opening line, which says what? You should praise Him. So how, on the first, how can we on the first line say, we're commanded and encouraged to praise God, and then second line, ask, who can praise God? Who can possibly praise God? The answer is in Pasa Gimel. And we have another Ashrei. What's the answer? What's it say? Ashrei? Shomrei Mishpat? Who is worthy of praising God? Only those who act in the Jewish way of justice and righteousness. Got the idea? Everyone is commanded to praise God, but if those who praise God are obnoxious and haughty, and uncouth, and, and, and people despise the way they act, they have no right, because if they praise God, God looks bad. And therefore, parenthetically, putting this little line in the midst of all these praises, if you know your tilim, is a little reminder that if you're going to praise God and ask Him for his, your needs, you, know, you better prepare yourself and how you behave beforehand and what you take upon yourself to act after him, afterwards. Now, that takes us to... Um, the themes of lacha 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 ta ta ta, and then get to the conclusion. That's the whole thing. Then we have uh, what you are. You know, again, we go back. We conclude with gadol. It's a little chiastic there. Gadol Hashem Mulo, Hashem Tzvot. Two psukim that really don't fit in. See these El Narsasok Kedushim Yodu Shemayim Pilacha. They don't. They don't seem to fit. We'll see why. Then we get some Shlomo Karbach lines. Remember from Kabbalat Shabbat. Uh, and then we get. Uh, Another pasuk doesn't again tzedekumishpat again, but doesn't seem to fit in. And then um, we conclude again from Kabbalat Shabbat. And then we have the song that we sing Han Shamalach. That's already composition. That's already written by the author. So that's not a pasuk. Han Shamalach is written by uh, I guess I guess Shlomo Karbach as well. <laughs> At least he wrote the music. Now uh, we'll get to that theme. Everything builds up here to Han Shamalach. What I want to do now with the next part of the shares is, based on what we saw, that the composer of this Mizmor um, you know, has logic to the flow, with a couple bumps here and there. I put all these quotes through a little um, spreadsheet, <laughs> put it that way. Actually, I actually can them up by hand, because by the time I set up the spreadsheet, it took too much time. Okay. Most of the verses are from Tilly, 90%. But there are certain chapters in Tilim that are quoted out of proportion. Now look on the page, look, uh, go back to the other sheet. Okay? And I want to go back, go up a little bit to B. Up to B here. B, on the front page, you know, there's A to follow by B. 
You go through Tehillim, and this is what's called a math, something which is statistically significant. I think I have it right. There's something that can be random, and then if you have a certain phenomenon, the question is, is it just, you know, significant or insignificant? If I have here, look at the bottom, from 10 different chapters of Tehillim, I have one quote. I have one quote from 548. See that? There's 10 different chapters that only one verse is quoted, which means it's random. That makes sense. And I'm only picking it for its need in the overall theme. Two verses each from 86, from, from three more verses, from three more chapters, which can say that could be maybe by chance. But all of a sudden, out of proportion, I have eight verses from 89. Got that? If I have 12, 13, 14 chapters of Tilim, which are quoted randomly, one, maximum two from everyone, and all of a sudden, one chapter that has how many, eight quotes from that chapter... That means that it's logical to assume that the composer of Shomei Filah is intentionally quoting from Psalm 89. Understand the logic? I think it makes perfect sense. I'll, I'll repeat that to make sure it's clear because that's the main sort of the Chiddush I want to get across. But what, what I'm assuming is because Psalm 89 is quoted way out of proportion to any other psalm and all the other ones. We'll deal with um, 95 and 74 also. But most of the other ones 15 other chapters, only quoted sporadically and randomly with the theme. I'm assuming that the composer of Shomei Tefillah, building his tapestry, is intentionally quoting from Tehillim 89. Got that? What I want to do now is explain why. And when we explain why and see why, it'll help us appreciate what, what, what not only what Sikhot are about, but how that helps us understand our prayer and how we approach God. What we have to do now is look at Tehillim 89. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to give you a thousand short seats. That's why I'm using the, the board. Uh, but what I want to do is I'll, flip, and I'll go down a little bit. Down, down, down. Keep down, 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 down. More. There we go. Here. Here's Tehillim 89. Tehillim 89. Maskele Leitan Ezrochi. He's a Levite from the time of uh, David, maybe a little bit later. And what we're going to find is that these eight verses that we're quoting are all from one section in the chapter. Let me show you where they are, and hopefully here the red comes through. Maybe, I don't know if you, can you see the red? I, maybe because I'm a different angle. Go up a little bit. Starting in verse 6, look what happens. Verse 6, we quote. Next one, keep going. Pasuk Zion, verse 7, we quote. Verse 8, we quote. Uh, verse 9, we quote. Verse 10, we quote, got it? Uh, verse 11, we don't. But that's a good reason, because we don't want to talk about how God defeated some sea monster. That's, uh, you'll learn that in college. You learn that. If you learn in, you went to, that's a classic thing that I like to teach you in college. Now, I'll go up a little bit. Um, c- keep going, up, up. You'd bet we quote, keep up, 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 up. Okay, there we go. Okay, okay. okay. We quote that. We don't quote 13, we quote 14. Keep on, 15. 15's the last one. Remember, ring a bell? We're quoting 8 out of 10 in a row. When do we stop? This is a surprise to you. Like, keep going a little bit. Look at Tetzayin. Does that ring a bell? Tetzayin. Ashrei ha'am. Remember Yodei Atruah? V'shim chai gilum kalayom. Kitiver zuzama oto. Kilashem genu. When do we say those? Every chazan knows, right? Before or after? That's after. And that leads us right to Ashrei. Remember? Ashrei and then Ashrei shvivitecha. That's the chazanus part. He still has his voice. There. Now, Understand? What I want to figure out is, why are we quoting from this chapter? What's it about? Now, 
When you study Tilim, and that's a whole different class, when you study Tilim, there's a principle. If you want to take apart a parak, three questions you always have to ask. What's the header? What's the structure? What's the point? Okay? And the rest is you give that assignment, teacher makes two cups of coffee, checks his email, and the students, what do you call it, figure it out. I can't expect that, because there's no good coffee machine. <laughs> I'll just give you the conclusion, okay? Because it's a lecture at night, you can check it out yourself. The header here is simple to identify. It's the first five verses. Let's go back now to the beginning of the chapter. We can do it together. The, first, the header is simple. What's the header? First we have the, the title, who wrote it or who composed it. The opening line is interesting. Meaning, the psalmist is saying, I'm always going to sing God's praise to His kindness. I'm always going to talk about how kind God is, His kindness. And usually chesed is in the, cup, is the, in the context of covenant. The door of door for, forever, for eternity, from generation to generation, we are going to talk about our faith and our support of God. Because I said, Olam chesed shemaim What was it? The, God's creation is founded on, on chesed. Now, then we say something which sort of doesn't flow. Karati brit What did God do? God made a covenant with who? With the house of David. And what was God's covenant with David? That he would not break his covenant. Meaning, David was chosen to be the royal family. What book talks about that? There's a whole book about it. That's the book of Shmuel. In the book of Shmuel, um, after Shaul is chosen and unchosen, God picks David. And when David is chosen, remember he wants to build a house for God? God says, not you, not but your son. In the context of that request, God tells David, I'm going to build a house for you. And I promise you that the royal family of the Jewish nation will always be from your descendants. And he makes a covenant. He, de- he says it's not always going to be a happy marriage. It might, be, you know, it might be rocky. And I might have to punish you because I expect a lot from you. But there's no possibility of divorce. You're, you're the royal family. It makes it to Shmonesar, doesn't it? We still hold it. We're hoping for the return of Mahut David. Now, that's the introduction. Starting from Pasuk Vav, we have praise, don't we? All the Pasukim we have here from Vav, right, let's go now. Vav, Vav, Zayn, Chet, Tet, Yud, Yud, Aleph, Yud, Vet, Yud, Stop. Till Ted Vav, it's all praise. Check out later on your own, the English. Verse by verse, it's the praise of God. Eight of those ten we quote. And all over the place at Shomayat Tefillah. Right? Not randomly, but, but not one after the other. They all ring a bell. Don't they? Anyone who stavins on a regular basis, they all ring a bell. Then we have the psukim of shofrot, which is also a type of a praise, a different type of a praise, which takes us to Pasuk Yotet. Stop there. Okay. And then starting in verse 20 in Pasuk Chav, go up a little bit, there's no more praise. Instead, it's a history lesson. You can check the history lesson out on your own. Remember, pretend you're a student having divided up the parak. From verse 20, from verse 20, he begins the story of how God found David. And we're going to have about 20 verses. You can slowly, you know, pretend like it's the end of a movie. When, you know, taking the credits and see if someone, how many producers are Jewish and how many people. Um, keep going slowly. You have um, Asher Yadin. Um, keep going. Um, you'll check it out later on. Hui Kreni Aviata David called him, I'm, yo, you're my father. And, I'm going to make him my firstborn. You follow? There's going to be a whole beautiful discussion, a poetic discussion, 
Le'olam Eshmor Chazdi, Lo Chazdi, Ubritin Emenet Lo, what's God say? I'll forever keep my covenant with him. He's going to, V'samti La'ad Zarol, V'chisoki Meishamayim, I'll make his throne from his seed forever. But on the condition, if they don't follow my laws, if they don't keep my chukim, what will happen? I'm going to punish them more than I would somebody else. Which is like, I won't take away from them. Listen, I won't break my covenant, God said. His, his uh, offspring will be forever. His throne will be like the sun. Remember, the sun is always there. Um, his, his, his kingdom and his offspring will be to me like the sun and the moon. Got that? Stop. What do we have here? Not praise, but a review, a poetic review of God's promise to David, his covenant with David, that the kingdom will always be from David. And then, oh, he gets rough. He starts screaming. Listen carefully. Batazanachta. What's that mean? Batazanachta. You neglect. You, you broke. You, you're not keeping to your covenant. Maat vatimas. Hitabarta. Remember, Moshe bitaber vaitaber shem bilamatrem. Hitabarti meshichecha. You're throwing your anger. You haven't kept your covenant. You made a promise to David. What's it say? Um, what's it? The art of brit avadecha avdecha. You're breaking your covenant. You made a promise. Pretend like a little, you know, five-year-old kid yelling it. Hey, you promised we were going to the movies. So he says, you made a promise, you're not keeping it. And he goes on and on about, um, about um, what's, what's going wrong. Okay? And kept him in Zion up a little bit. Okay? Follow? How long are you going to wait? Words, I believe you're going to come. But how long do we have to wait for? And he goes on and on. And then it goes with Nambet. Nun Gimel is the end of the book, not the end of the Mizmor. Nun Gimel is a... Every book in Tilly ends with a, a line that from right before Vavarech David. But the, the Mizmor ends in 52. If I want to review the structure and the topic of the Mizmor, it's simple. Okay? What's the Mizmor about? It's a prayer. Not more than a prayer. It's a complaint. We're launching a complaint. To God, who's lodging the complaint? The kingdom of the house of David. How come God is not keeping his covenant with the house of David? And it states to me, we believe it will be kept, but how long do we have to wait? You made a covenant, I want to keep it. No. We don't start with the complaint, we have the introduction of the, of the brit in the beginning. But before we complain, what do we do first? First we praise. That's a classic. Right? Then we explain the background. Then we have our lawyer go in and say, you know, here's what you promised. And then we launch our complaint. Now, what we find here is we have a, a, a prayer service. We have a prayer to David, I mean, in the Mizmor Tehilim, in the Psalm, where the overall topic is we're begging God to keep to a covenant. You made a covenant, I want to keep to it. I want you to keep to it. But before we make that request, what do we do first? We praise Him. Got that? What's the main topic in our prayer in Slichot? What are we invoking? What are we talking about? What do we pray to God about? What are we asking God to do? El horet lanu lomar Ring a bell? hayom We're asking God to remember His covenant. What covenant? Not the first one, but the second one. The one that has attributes of mercy. You promised us 
that if we do, if we repent, you'll come back and help us. You made a deal with us that you, that you have attributes of mercy and we're begging God to judge us with mercy. Right? And we're screaming to God and telling Him, we want you to judge us with mercy and you promised us mercy. Where's your mercy? And that's what, all the, that's what the prayer section is about. Before we make that prayer, which is the focus of the we have a peace moment, we have a beautiful composition called Shemayat Filah, which praises God. But what did the composer do? He knows, he knows his Tilim, right? And he knows that theme. He took a parallel um, chapter in Tilim, which also asked God to remember a covenant, a different covenant, but a similar covenant, a, a, a very similarly structured covenant, and copy-paste. <laughs> in an intricate manner, he weaves the verses from that praise purposely into, into here. Point clear? Hope I got that straight. Now again, I, I go back to the art museum. So what? <laughs> It's a, it sounds technical, but I want you to appreciate, if you appreciate art, if you appreciate Tilim, I want you to appreciate what the composer did. What the composer did, he intentionally takes from Tilim Ayn I proved that statistically. It's significant that we have these quotes from 89. And when we look at 89, it makes perfect sense why he's quoting from Tilim 89. And he's going out of his way because when we does quote from 89, you can look at it, it doesn't fit like the rest of them. Not as good. Sometimes it's perfect, sometimes it's, it's, it's um, fetchy. No, he, he's for, forced inside. So that's, that's the setup. Now, behind that, though, is something even, I think, a little bit deeper. Um, what's the similarity between God's breed with Amisro and God's breed with David? If you can, you can look later on in Yemriel 33. He talks about it explicitly. Um, God says that I have a covenant with Amisro, and even though we'll have some rocky times, ultimately you're going to be saved. Yemriel says that in the time of the Qurban. So I'll never break my breed, not with the house of Israel, not with the house of David, not with the Kohanim and Levim. You know, I'm going to punish you, but one day you're coming back. And one day, things will get better again. Uh, but you have to be worthy of it. That's all through your meal. Breed, by definition, is two-sided, isn't it? If our main strategy of prayer is we're begging God, invoking God, and begging God, remember your side of the covenant... And we talk about covenant, so we talk, remind God what that covenant is. But if we want God to keep his side of the covenant, any lawyer will tell you, what's in covenant on you? You have to keep your side of the covenant. And if I'm going to come to God and complain and scream and yell, hey, how come you're not keeping to your side? What's that force me to do? I have to keep my side. Now, what's our side of the covenant? That's there as well. If we, that's, that's why the Mizmor begins is, I'll always sing your praises. Why was that be chosen over Shaul? David was chosen over Shaul because he knew how to sing God's praises. When he was victorious in battle, he didn't take, no, he didn't, he didn't take all the credit himself. He wasn't worried about his kavod. Everything David says, remember, remember David? You deserve all the credit. David accomplishes a tremendous amount. David is somebody who thinks he's a nobody. And that's a real somebody. That's a real nobody. <laughs> from, we talked about that before. But to be a nobody, you have to be a somebody. David is great. He's a great man of war. Victorious, he's a great leader. And he could be the most popular, most, you know, the proudest guy. He takes all his glory and he attributes it to God. Who doesn't like that type of behavior? Remember Michal? When he brings that roan, he's down there dancing with the regular people and he gets chewed out by, by Michal. And, God, and David tells his wife, that's why God picked me over your father. Because your father, Kavod, was important to him. But David, in front of God, he's a nobody. And, and that idea that you can be a somebody but attribute what you have 
That's why David was chosen to sing his praises. What's David saying here? I'll always sing your praises. I'll do my side of the breed, but I'm expecting you to do your side of the breed. Now, if we're asking God to remember his side of the breed, God's attributes of mercy are not automatic. It, it can happen, but we have to give God a reason. And if we can prove to God we're sincere in keeping our side of the breed, then it makes sense to pray. Therefore, when you understand the background of the praise and the background of, of when you request God to remember a breed, that the breed's two-sided, then what you say can be what's called um, transformative. It's not magic words. It's not, again, an incantation. But if you understand the theme and the biblical background of the verses, then that can have an effect on not just what you say, but how it affects the person who's praying. Now, I want to conclude with... Um, I hope that part's clear. Now, real quickly, I want to do one other example. We had 70... What else was there? There was 70... 70 what? 70... 74. 74. Next, yeah. Go up a little bit. 74. Um, zoomed in on the side. It doesn't go this way. We only have the Hebrew. Um, wait, does it go down anymore? Oh, okay, there we go. Maybe I'll push this. No, that doesn't help. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Oh, that's, there we go. There we go. There's that. You went to college. That's good. Computer expert. Okay, how about, um, where's 74 start? Oh, yeah, this is a long one. But go up a little bit. Is it 74? Yeah, okay, 74. Oh, no, that's ours. That's 89. Go down, down, down. It's too familiar. Uh, this one, yeah. Where's this one? Look how it begins, 74. Right here, okay? The same thing. Asking God in the header, why are you abandoning us? Remember your Zechariah Zetechah. This we have later on in in Sichot um, at the end part. We have a whole section of Zechors. All set up Sukim at the end before Shemakalinu, remembering. He goes on and on and on. Keep going down. And let's see where our psukim are. Keep going. We'll find our psukim a little more. A little farther down. There we go. Um, here we go. A little two more. Here. Here. Atapratah b'zchayam shibatah r'shetem alamayim. Should all sound familiar if you know your... It's more of this... Atapratah r'shetem l'vietan atapakashtah mayim v'nachal. That's what I read around. Atapakashtah mayim v'nachal. L'chem afzacholayla. We quote all these. Atapratah gulat aretz. And then, remember... Um, and we have a whole little prayer afterwards. We have praise, followed by prayer. And what's the main prayer here, Chaf? Habet labrit, kimlu, machashka eretz, no'ot chamas. Got it? What are we asking God to do? Habet labrit, which means, look at the covenant. There's a, there's a, we know that from davening. Habet labrit, Built on here. So here's another example of praise before, not just a request, but a request to God to look at the covenant. Now, the last parallel I want to show you is what leads into um, Go back to uh, the other page with the, with the Shomayat Filah. Look at the edit on, on your page as well. Look at the Shomayat Filah. Look, find Hanshamalach. And look what finally leads up to it. Um, you have Luchun Ranana, right? See 95.1, Luchun Ranana, like five lines before the end. We all know the Psukim from, from where? From Kabbalat Shabbat. Look at the first two lines of the Chonoranana and try to understand why we're using this as we're about to approach God. We're about to approach God and ask Him to remember his, to keep to His covenant. What's it say now? That's um, a call to gather everyone together to sing God's praises. What's that mean? What's it mean? What's it mean? 
We're going to approach God. What's the best way to go? Again, there's, you, want to, you want someone to make an investment for you. So you get a lead. Is that in the world of business? You get a lead? You know, get, me a lead. get me into his office, right? Then you need a coach to tell you, what do you say first? How are you going to approach him? How do you have that, what's called the elevator statement or something like that? How do you get your point over in two minutes? How are you going to approach to get him on your side? What's he say? How are we going to approach God? With praise, with thanks. And sing him a nice song, sing his praises. Got the idea? No. Uh, by the way, Micha has a different take. Remember, does God want thousands of korbanot? Remember, Micha? Perakvav? Remember, God wants, that's Avat Chesed, that's Nelechet. God doesn't only want songs, He also wants good behavior. But when you come to the Mikdash, there's protocol. And you sing His praises. Now, um, if you know you're the Chunuranana, um, that chapter, chapter 95 in Tehillim, which we quote a lot from, we have like six tricking from here. We quote almost all of it, don't we? But look what part we quote. What do we quote from? Look, look in, if you're in, in your Tanakh. I didn't put it on the board, but you know it by heart. Everything is positive until where? The whole thing isn't so positive, is it? Beforehand. What's the last line that's positive? What's it say there? Say that loud? That's everything's fine until right? on what condition is this okay? On what condition can we come to God and sing His praises? If what? If you follow Him. Who didn't follow Him? What's it say next? Now we're talking about the generation of the desert who failed. Why did they fail? Why did the generation of the desert fail? Remember the holy day They couldn't make it. Why? They weren't deserving. Now, Kabbalah Shabbat is a unit. It's not by chance we, we begin with Tzadi Hay and Evut Tzadi Tet. And there's a chiasm in the whole unit. It's closed by Tzadi Tet, which we also quote a lot from. Go to 99 in Tilim. Again, you know by Hashem Malach um, the last one. And look what we quote from, from 99, from Tilim Tzaditet. What do we quote? Look at the last five lines. You can find it on the... Uh, you go, there's a... In the web, go hit, hit this thing. Hit that. Hit that. Just click on there. Yeah, that one. And go to the top. Here, hit Psalm 99. Click on, pretend it's a smart board. 99. Here we go. 99. Here we go. Oh, it's right there. Perfect. Okay. High tech. Got it? Hashem al-Kid le-Ovim b'chud Hashem b'tzion skip here, skip, go up to hey. Oh, but we find, go up to hey. Oh, it's Melech, up, up, up. There we go. We quote this, don't we? Ramo Hashem Elokeinu, Ramo Hashem Elokeinu, Shafal Adam Raklab Kodoshu, we quote that. Listen, what we quote. What's, what's this an introduction to that we quote? Moshan v'chonev v'shmo v'kore shmo, what did they do? Kareem v'lashem v'huyandim. Bamuda nani d'abere lehem shmo v'lashem v'tan lamo, Hashem Elokeinu, atan itam. El no seha ita lehem, v'nokem alilotam. Followed by again Ramamu. We quote this one and we quote this one. We quote this Ramamu and hey and Ramamu and Tet. What's in between? What thing? What does God do? Shomayat filah. Isn't he? Hashem You answered our, our greatest daveners. Who is the best shliach? Moshe and Aaron. And 
Shmuel. Remember Shmuel davened for them in Mitzvah, Terek Zion? They called out to God and he answered them. Why? Because they had the right, they knew how to daven and knew how to praise God. And therefore, what do we do? We also praise God. Ramamu, Ramamu, both sides, we quote these two. And that's exactly the topic of, of, of why are we quoting from these psukim. Because that's the answer. What happened? Abraham Shonah the first generation failed. The next generation was able to go in because leadership finally got their act together. But again, what do we find? Quotes that relate to the theme of tefillah. And every single verse in Shomei tefillah is woven. And each one, in their overall setup, they have a flow. And they all make sense. But the sources that the author, that the composer takes them from, if you look at every single source, they all relate to praise before prayer or other key biblical themes that relate to how we stand in front of God. So when you pay attention to that, it might take you a lot longer to say Shomei Atikulam, but at least, or at least part of it, uh, but you'll appreciate it. Now, um, I want to end with the song. Now, I'm going to sing it, but remember Hanusha Malach? It's always a, you know, that's a classic, you know, strong song. Um, um, the word Neshama means, is unique, I think, most Parshim hold, unique to mankind. You know, that's humans over animals. Remember, Kohen Shama, that's not just Jews, that's, that's universal. Is the word Neshama ever in Tilim? Ever think about that? Do a word search one time. It's in Tilim. But only once. <laughs> Anyone know where? You know by heart. <laughs> the last line of the last line of Tilim. That's the last line of Sukhita Zimra. Kon Shamat hallelujah. That's what's built on. You follow? Right? And the end of Tilim. Remember we're calling from Tilim? The end of Tilim is The whole time you're in the Shama, praise to God. Now, what are we saying? Our neshama is yours and the goof are... Uh, there's a parallel between God and human beings. Ask any Kabbalist. In what sense? Um, there's something spiritual about every human being. We call it his neshama. It's a word in Yiddish as well. Uh, yeah, but a tire, neshama, you can't, tra- you can't translate neshama. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, it's neshama. It, now... And there's something, through your neshama you connect to God. But, the neshama can't manifest itself without a goof. Now, take the analogy Takarish Borhu. When we say God's kadosh, he's separate from his universe, from his creation, and he created. But God exists, but God doesn't, we can't perceive God, we can only perceive God, not God himself, but only through his creation. The way we perceive God is through his creation. He exists, but we can only perceive him through the creation he made. In the same way that we only perceive our neshama or someone's neshama through, through the goof. But how do we connect to God? Through our neshama, we connect to God. So we're saying to God, the neshama is yours and the goof you gave us to enable us to serve you, to develop our neshama, have mercy on us. And we repeat it again. But now we give our final strategy of prayer, which is what? We might not be deserving. Let's say we fail. Why should you do it? Do it for the sake of your reputation, for your name. We're coming to you. We're coming and bowing down. We're approaching you. Do it. If, if, if we talk about you so much and we're so dedicated to you, so we mess up a lot. But do it so for your reputation because we talk about you. If we're always punished, what will the nations think of you? You don't take care of your people. And therefore, do it for the sake of your name, your reputation. Right? Um, we're coming for the sake of your glory, for your kavod, because you are Rachum Bachanun. And for the sake of your name, again, for the sake of reputation, Forgive us, even though there's so many, 
And that's how we end, in other words, we end this praise with a short little bakasha. But it's not so much, again, we're, we're asking God to remember why even if we're not worthy, give us another chance. That introduces, again, our request for God to keep His side of the breed, the breed of the 13 midot, which fits the same idea. I'll just review that in 30 seconds. That um, God's attributes of mercy are, reflect a, a sort of bedievet or a, a second covenant where the first covenant, which is demanding, makes sense. If we're a nation representing God and His reputation is riding on how we behave, then it only, if we're supposed to be this mamlechet koani v'goy kadosh, this holy nation, it only makes sense that we have to be perfect. Because the stakes are high. Like a pilot, you can't, he can't make a mistake. And I, I have to be demanding of that type of, that type of job. That didn't work. And therefore, God had to negotiate a second covenant. The second covenant says, okay, to make this work, I have to, have to be merciful every once in a while. But what are we saying? When we sing that God is merciful, sometimes it's understood, I'll use a, I'll sort of semi-quote somebody, sometimes it's understood as, yes, he will. If I have emunah, if I believe in God, I need more and more emunah, what do I need to believe in? That God can save us. God can forgive us. Why would God forgive us? If we state our belief and really believe that God can, if, yes, he, if I really believe, yes, He can, I'm sorry, yes, He will. I get that wrong. Yeah. Yes, He will. Yes, He will. And I'm, and I'm convinced of that. If my belief in God is total, then He'll come and save me. That's not what we say. That's not, it might be, I don't think that's what we do in Tefillah. It's not yes, He will. It's yes, He can. I believe that God can forgive and He can give us a second chance. But knowing that yes, He can means but maybe he won't. Based on what will God forgive us, if I can prove to him that if he helps us, we'll help him. If I can convince God that we're sincere, when we pray to God, the strategy is, I know you can forgive. There's a possibility of forgiveness. There's a window. There's a, a, a window. A possibility. Yes, you can forgive. Not yes, you will. Yes, you can. But I have to be deserving. Now, if I can convince God that if he gives me another chance, I will do better, and I'm sincere in what I'm saying, that's just a bunch of words, then that gives God a good reason to save me. The problem is you have to convince God you're sincere. And that's harder to do. Because you know how you do that. How do you convince God you're sincere? What's the trick? What? You have to be sincere. <laughs> that's not so easy. But he knows. But if you understand that, that'll sort of cause you to be more sincere. And if you're truly sincere, there's a good reason why God will say yes. And that's the breed that God makes with the 13 midot. He says, if you're really sincere, I promise you, I will use my midot rachamim, but you have to prove to me that you're worthy. That's why I go, yes, he can, as opposed to yes, he will. And therefore, our, our strategy in Tzfilah is understanding it's yes, he can. Um, and therefore, it's not only a question of blind faith and stating belief, but rather the understanding of the relationship, when you understand the nature of the relationship and what's incumbent upon the person praying, you can't, you don't have the, I guess, the chutzpah. You can't have the audacity to go and ask God, you keep to your side of the covenant if you don't take upon yourself to keep your side of that same covenant. I think that's the strategy we have in davening. Um, we take one, one little part, but hopefully our study of slichot will help us maybe daven a little bit better, and not just daven better, but um, learn something from davening and live better as well. Shanach tova, what is it? tova. Okay. What?
um, I guess if there's one or two questions it can take. Yeah, question. Well, this is unless the question gives an insight that's triggered by the remark. Uh-huh. So it's healing 89, but there's like 3, 3, 3, it's internal, it's internal, it's internal. Who's saying otherwise? No, no, he's thinking, but, 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 but it's, 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 the question is how long do we have to wait for eternity? Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that, there's there's Oh yeah, for sure because especially in medieval time and the, yeah, I'll explain those. It it makes sense at this time period as well where all their neighbors are saying God left you and there is no more breed and there's a new testament and you guys are gone therefore invoking the bridge is very very important. Makes sense. Especially in Askenaz. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Okay. Uh. So if it's two sided, is that implicit in the No, because in this section it's only praise, it's not prayer yet. No, I understand yeah. that. But I'm just saying if it's closer it's trying to reflect parts of chapter eighty nine. The praise of eighty nine. Yeah. I understand that. I understand. I forgot to mention, after we ask the prayer, the final prayer is that God answer our prayers. Remember? That's Shema Kaleinu. Do it for the sake of your name, so for the sake of our children, thank you for those. So, that's also beautiful that we pray, that we pray that God answer our prayers, and that in itself is a prayer. Okay. Thank you very much.